Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. Chuck Creasy, thanks very much for listening once again. This American tennis in our sixth year, can you believe it? My golly gee whiz, holy guacamole. Lots of stuff and lots of time being able to do this. I consider it a wonderful thing and a great blessing every day that I get to do something like this and to pass on some of the things that I've been taught, some of the lessons, and uh, I'm hoping that you do. I'm going to challenge you. I always do to challenge you to step step up, stand up, reach out to other people and help them and say those things that need to be said. We need courage at this time to say those things that need to be said, uh, you know, deliver messages without delivering blows, and doggone it, you know, if you stay professional and you address issues, not people, you can say pretty much whatever you need to, and no one will find fault. And I always have quoted um, the, the great quote that all that it takes for evil to prosper is for good men, good people to do nothing. We all have a duty to do this and to deliver, deliver the right messages. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm starting out of the blocks here. Uh, oh, golly, first of all, Cubs lost, huh? Cubs lost, daggone it. What a, they bottomed out, didn't they, in September, and then that was sort of curious in a way, and, and I don't know if you all follow baseball. I follow it now a lot. I never did my whole life until my son is crazy about baseball, but he likes the Cubs. We've been following them. Pretty exciting couple years when they won, but looks like, looks to me like, internal leadership. I, I don't know. You, you never, as a coach, you're guessing at stuff, you know, but the bottom line is not inspired the last month of the season. They sort of fizzled out. I told my son, uh, I said, the Brewers are gaining steam. The Brewers are gaining steam and that my son doesn't want to hear that stuff. 
But the long story short, they lost. I stayed up last night till 1 o'clock in the morning and watched 13 innings. And I kept telling my buddy who I was watching it with that, you know what? The drama is unbelievable. It was a two-to-one game at the end, and it was 1-1, 1-1, hanging on, hanging on. But it was the drama. And I told my my friend, I said, look, man, I said, it's the drama of the sport. And tennis used to have this. It's the drama. It's, it's, it's not about excitement. We're all excited out. Sort of like information. We got so much information, we don't have relationships anymore. It's nuts. But in the same thing, we've got, we've got so much excitement, but the drama of this thing is so great. And, uh, and, and it really is. Baseball is fantastic because of the drama. Nobody turned that game off as much as I needed to sleep. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't turn the game off, and other people don't. And with the sport of tennis, it's the drama that traditional scoring provides. It's the, the intensity of the drama and to see how people will hold up under the pressure again and again and again. And it, it's not about the fast get-it-over-with mentality and rah-rah, we got a winner. My friend, I'm sitting there, and I, I said, this is unbelievable. He says, you know, actually, in some of the soft high, high school softball games, now they put a runner, if it goes extra inning, you put a runner on second base, so the first base hit brings them home. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, what are people thinking? But anyhow, that's just me and being a baseball fan now. But, uh, you know, they're lacking something. And, and I didn't like the way they took a few shortcuts there at the end. There were a couple of questionable things, like that guy trying to go to first. when he, You know, acting like he got hit by the ball. He really didn't. The umpire got cracked by a ball. And, you know, and uh, I don't know. It, you know, the umpire, a little bit more compassion needed there. But from the, from the player, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm just saying my opinion as, as a – fan there but I'm a tennis coach but I've been a coach for years and years and years and so I'm always in the process I think of teaching hopefully not preaching I want to teach not preach and uh, I'm trying to just help kids who are in front of me and definitely helping my own kids so my daughter this morning this is uh, on a topic of our program this morning uh, what a coach really looks for in a player so my daughter runs on a high school cross-country team. And uh, she told me this morning, she said, Papa, uh, the coach sort of set a standard yesterday, and she had to cut a couple of the, the runners. I go, oh, really? Well, what happened? Well, the, said the coach, I said, I thought she let everybody stay. He says, well, she did. She uh, let everybody stay. Almost all during the summer training, preseason workouts, and up till now. But she gave him a standard. She just said, hey, I want him to make this many minutes. If you don't make it, we've got to let you go. And uh, she cut him. And I go, well, I said, honey, I, I said that used to happen all the time. And now we sort of let people hang around to be hanger-oners. And I don't think it does so much good for anybody to have more cabooses than engine. You have too many cabooses. It's just like and what happens, uh, that train won't move well. I, and these, so was this per, these people trying as hard as they could, and she had said, well, no, 
that actually start walking a lot whenever they got tired and they weren't trying to get better. And I said, yeah. And I, I told her a good story that um, I'm going to relate to, to you all here that is really the base. If you're a coach or, listen, if you're a player, listen to this because you can change and, and you can develop the right attitude on stuff. And, and if you're a parent, we sort of fail on the side of just, you know, uh, let, let's face it, we're too emotionally involved with our own children. And we, we, we haven't seen enough in sports a lot of times where you, you make an accurate judgment. And, and listen, if I hear any one more time from any parent, oh, this is a great kid. Oh, this is a great kid. Over and over and over, isn't that what people say? Oh, he's a great kid. You get sick of hearing that stuff. So anyhow, I'm going to tell you a quick story on that in a minute. And then a couple of days ago, my son came up to me. And, um, you know, I was telling him that, you know, this, this coach has been great to him. And, um, you know, I said, are you telling him thank you every time? Every time he doesn't, thank you, coach. Even when he runs you really, really hard. Thank you, Coach, for getting me in better shape. You know, thank you, Coach, for caring about me to chew my little rear end when I need it because you must care about me. And he goes, Papa, Papa, I, I know, but I don't want to do that all the time. But he says, you know, some kids never thank the coach. And I, I go, look, son, it, gratitude is an adult virtue. Gratitude is an adult virtue. It must be learned. People do, are not born with a grateful heart. We are born with a selfish heart, a self-centered heart, and kids have to learn how to be grateful for things. They have to be taught. They have to be taught. So, um, you know, th those two things happened, and then we had this weekend. I was fortunate enough to go up to, to Clemson where I used to work, and I went to a great Hall of Fame weekend uh, one of my former players, the great Rick Rudine, and uh, you won't know his name, but he is the winningest player in the history history of college tennis, 172 victories in singles, singles victories during his college career. Now, can you imagine that, 172 victories? But we played about 50 or 60 matches a year, and now they allow you 25. Whoop-de-doo. Come on, are you kidding me? Do you really think that we're ever going to develop players in college with 25 matches a year? Baseball gets 64. Tennis gets 25. Are you kidding me? My God, it's unbelievable. But Rick, 172, and we are laughing. That record will never be broken. The winningest player in history of college tennis. And, uh, boy, what a great weekend. But I learned a bunch by going around and looking at some of the coaching facilities and the sports facilities and I study where is the real stuff and where is just the fluff. In other words, a lot of people love the fluff, but where was the real stuff? I picked up some diamonds, and I'm going to pass on some of those diamonds to you. These are not rhinestones. These are diamonds. So my daughter's cross-country coach had to cut some players. My son was wondering why some kids – are grateful, other are not. I'd like to relate a story to you, too. When 1966, I'm 16 years old. Oh, my gosh, I just gave away how old I am. 
and everybody thought I was 41 or 42, I guess. I went to the fair, actually. I think I got so many stories. We have an upper, uh, lower state fair here. And three years ago, I take my family, and I've got a young family to the fair, and I went to one of those things where they judge your weight and they judge, or they judge your age. So I walked up there with my family, and um, the lady, I think she was there, and she goes, uh, okay, sir, but I put my five bucks down or whatever. Weight or age? And I said, okay, how about age there? I promise you, she said 49. <laughs> <laughs> she said 49. It must have been that I have a uh, young family, but she said 49, and I said, thank you very much. I will take that stuffed uh, tiger or, <laughs> no, stuffed bulldog. I will take that, and uh, got a big kick out of that, but I think it was more my young family than maybe my lack of gray hair or lack of, you know, whatever. I was 16 years old. 1966. I went to the Indiana State High School Final Four Luncheon. Well, that's a pretty cool thing. I remember up in Indianapolis getting to do this. And there was a coach there. I think it was a Michigan State coach or somebody. And, and it was a college coach talking to a bunch of high school kids. There were high school kids from all over the city of Indianapolis. And I remember very, very well the essence of that message. Now, folks, that's a bunch of years ago. That is 52 years ago. And now this is what loaded language. Why is a coach use loaded language? Why is a parent you use loaded language? Why, if you want to remember something, try to remember it in a loaded language context. But he brought up the fact about talking, talked about different athletes. And I remember him saying, you know, this player had it, and this player did not have it. And he said, you know, you don't really know, you know, the definition of it. But you know when a player has it, and you know when a player does not have it. As a coach, this is as clear as the day is long and the sky is blue on a and, and and here is the deal, folks. It's obvious. It's obvious. So it's not about being a great kid. It's 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 not about just being a superstar and physically, mentally, and emotionally, and all those things, and having this talent. The it factor is many many things. But I want to tell you what I learned this weekend from my good friend. I, I say his name, Coach Andy Johnston, told me a good story. Coach Andy Johnson, what a wonderful human being that is. Clemson University, he worked 35 years as a women's tennis coach, and he worked in director of football operations, worked in the football department, and what a great human being. But he said that this is how they used to define it when he was working over there, football. You've heard me talk about good goods, good bads, bad goods, and bad bads. Sort of along the the same line. Actually, my good goods, good bads, bad goods, and bad bads came from a sermon I heard back seven, eight years ago. The preacher said his, his headline was, it's not what happens to you, but it's really more what happens in you. And he talked about good goods, good bads, bad goods, and bad bads. But it's along that line. Actually, it's the box, the Johari window. 
that we all learned in psychology. The Johari window was something more or less like um, what I know, what I don't know, what you know, what you don't know. But I've used this several times with, you know, in in, co- in coaching, good goods, good bads, bad goods, and bad bads. But here's how he put it. Now, we're talking about a coach relating to a player, a player relating to a player, a parent relating to their kids. But Coach Andy Johnson told me this, and he gets the credit. He said, look, you have players that have it, they got it, or they don't have it, or they don't got it, if you want to say that. They have it or they don't have it. But then the attitude is players either bring it or they don't bring it. They bring it or they don't bring it. So the four categories are this. He said, those players that have it, have that special quality, and they bring it every day, those are your prime time blue chippers. Stick with them, stick by them, work with them, discipline them, be toughest on them, do everything you can to bring out what the good Lord put in them. You're not you're not putting stuff in them, but you're bringing out every bit you have, and you will go to any any level and extreme to try to teach them, to coach them, and to bring them along. If they got it, they have it, and they bring it every day, that's special. But then he said, unfortunately, you have the athletes that have it, they got it, but they don't bring it. I've heard always called these athletes the cafeteria competitors. They pick and choose when they want to give their best. They pick and choose. I'm going to try today because it looks fashionable. Hey, guess what? You know, it doesn't feel so good to try. I'm I'm not going to try. This could be a bad loss. I'm not going to give my best. I'm not going to bring my heart. And, and here's what he said about that. He said, absolutely, positively, these are the cancers on your team. You've got cancers on your team. You have to get rid of these people because they will lead, but they will lead your team to destruction. They'll lead your team into the wrong territory. And there's no way to change them if they've got – they know they're talented. They know they're gifted. And from day one when they were youngsters, they knew they could use their personality and their talent that was given to them by the good Lord to skirt by – and to just get by, and they're too good at just barely giving it and doing just enough with their charm. But it, it's it's just it's heartbreaking because we always see the potential as a coach. But he said you got to get rid of those people. So you've got those that got it and bring it, and then you have those that don't got it. Is that good English? I don't think so. Don't they don't have it and they don't bring it. But then you have those that don't have it. They don't have it. The good Lord didn't bless them in a certain, you know, they're a little bit slower. They, they're just not going to make it. But he says they bring it every day. Now, he said as a coach, you keep those people. They become supportive, supportive cast members. They, they are the ones that become great alumnus. They, 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 those are the group ones that become great support. These are the ones that you build teams around a lot of times until you get the better, better players. But they are invaluable if, here's the point, if you give them a role, they will live up to it and they will carry it out. But keep them. 
So they bring what they have. And then here's what he said. Unfortunately, we also have the fourth category, the, the bad bads, you would call it. Those that don't have it and they don't bring it. And you just don't waste a minute with them. Get them out of your program. Just they will clutter up the room. And, uh, you know, folks, I it, unfortunately, we are so caring and so kind and so loving that we're always trying to help out people. And this is the thing, even with young people, you know, you give everybody a second chance, shouldn't give anybody a third. And we have antennas created, especially in high school things, in college now, too, to a certain extent. We're creating a participation activity instead of vigorous sport. And if you let the kids hang around that they don't have it and they don't bring it, it'll it'll kill you. And if you get, especially if you've got those that have it and don't bring it, you've got to get those people out of there. So I, I yesterday I gave this talk to my team and we talked about how collective, the power of symmetry and how you collectively build a great program by the symmetry of people just bringing what they have. Now, if I can give another analogy, this or another quick uh, word picture for you. For years, I've done this other exercise where I've gotten a big, big cup or a big bucket of something that was uh, not not a tin can buck, but but something was vulnerable, you know. So I, I'm going to use an illustration here. So I would give everybody a cup of water in the room. And I would put little lines on the side of the bucket that would say winning season. Then up higher up, this or that. You get where I'm going here. Then I would have everybody pour their water in a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And I would say, look, if everybody pours in what they have, we can accomplish great things. However, and then I would take a pencil or a nail, and I would poke holes in the bottom of the the bucket, and I, I would say, but here is, you guys, we go party. Here is what happens if you bring a bad attitude to the group. By the way, I heard this great thing about bad attitudes the other day. We We should not bring a bad attitude into a room or into a situation. It's like bringing body odor or bad breath. Now, you think about this. You don't bring bad breath. You brush your teeth. You use mouthwash. You even chew gum if you have to, not to have bad breath and bring it into an, uh, someplace where you care. You don't bring body odor in, do you? You use deodorant. You don't bring a bad attitude in either. You know, you don't bring a bad attitude into a team situation. So I would poke a hole into the bucket as well and water would start rushing out and I said what are we going to do who's going to fill this up and this typically if you're plugging holes uh, because of people with bad attitudes it, it just kills you so you know we're always talking about hey it's a great kid well you know that's pretty general hey this person has potential well you know the, the heck with that you know it, it basically uh, as coaches we all know what unfulfilled potential is. It's it's everywhere in our society. It is absolutely everywhere. Look, we're going to finish up this discussion in a minute. I've got to go to commercial. I will be right back. And this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and it's American Tennis. 
And Coach Chuck Creasy here, folks. I wanted to tell you about my book, Coaching Tennis. It's been out there now 20 years. It is the biggest-selling coaching-slash-tennis-slash-motivational book out there that, as far as sales. Tennis is a limited market, but over 40,000 people have chosen my book, Coaching Tennis and Total Tennis Training, to work with their youngsters. Go to Amazon and order coaching tennis for you and your team today and folks i wanted to remind you very very quickly i am also working on the book of momentum control i am the only person in the world that i've found go look it up no one has worked on momentum control except me and i've been doing it since 1979 but i can help you and your youngsters or you with your businesses learn about momentum control and some sick, some easy steps. Thanks very much for listening, and go to www.chuckcreasy.net, chuckcreasy, K-R-I-E-S-E.net. on a scale of 1 to 10, at least a 7 or an 8 as far as talent. 
So let's say your youngster is a seven. So their God-given ability or the nature part of it is a seven. Now, the opportunities given on a scale of one to ten, of course, if you had a professional uh, father or mother and you get to go to the academies and you're living in a warm climate and you can hit tennis balls eight hours a day, obviously your opportunities or your nurture part of that is a 10. But most of you on a scale of 1 to 10 have, let's say you have a 8 as far as an opportunity. You know, most of the time in the United States, I everybody's got at least a 6, 7, or an 8, I guess. So you've got ability is a 7, or, or you know, a 7, let's say, and the opportunity is an 8, that's 15. Now, the third part of that is the desire or self. Now, 15 plus 9 is 24. 15 plus 8 is 23. Is that correct? No, no. 50. Yep, that, I get my math now. Son taught me my addition and subtraction here. So, but 15 and 7 would be a 15 and 7 is 22. I've told parents for years that the magic number is really 23 to 25. If you're 23, in other words, that that person with the seven ability, eight opportunities, and they give it an eight, well, they that's a 23. They barely can make it. But if they've got 24 or 20, 24, they've got a good chance. But 25, you're going to the moon. In other words, that person who has a seven is eight as far as ability, a seven as far as opportunity, and then they give a 10, they have the it factor, and they bring the it. They have sort of have, they've got, they sort of and they bring it 100% every day. They, they have a really good chance. Now, on the other hand, if they have a 9 for talent, an 8 for opportunity, and a 10 for opportunity, or 10 for um, what they bring to the table every day and their their desire, wow, then you've got something special. So 23 to 25, set size sort of categorize it uh, as far as uh, when somebody asks me, well, just don't talk in these theoretical or, um, you know, uh, situational things. Can you help me? Do we have the it factor here? Do I have the it factor? And that's how I sort of do it, and you've heard me say that before. You've also heard me give the categories of what happens to youngsters when adversity comes. And again, um, I saw this thing this weekend up at, uh, when when I went up there to Clemson, and they had this fantastic board. It said that really only the three percenters are really the, the, the greater, the great ones, you know, the, the winners that's, them seek out adversity seek out the toughest situations challenge themselves daily so only three percent of the people have this wow that was pretty low and then the goal setters the people that smile at adversity they will follow those real leaders but really only 13 percent of the people are you just don't have to do much with and um, I said this to my son also I said just remember uh, people have to be trained. No one is born uh, with the innate ability to do all the right things. Well, no, no. They might have the ability, 
but the unique habits and the innate habits. No one starts out doing all of the right things. A lot of people, we do childish things very deep into our lives. We act like babies at times. We usually act on our feelings, the feelings. Um, you know, feelings, again, there's a saying, feelings don't matter, that 80% of the people don't care you're having a problem, the other 20% are glad you are. And I don't want to go off on this tangent, but the little um, acronym that you use is always be F-T-A, not F-A-T. F-T-A means you feel something, then you think, then you act. You don't do the fat, F-A-T. You feel, then you act, and then you think. Now that's, but that takes training. That takes time. Yes, we'd love to see the youngster that brings it every day. Yes, we'd love to see the youngster that doesn't give in to bad feelings every day. But can you see the damage that we're doing when we constantly talk about how your feelings are working? And I want to make this point that if you could control your feelings, you can't control them. They come like the weather. They, they, sometimes you feel bad. Sometimes you feel good. But again, a bad attitude based on your feelings is like bringing bad breath or body odor to the party. You, you need to really do a gut check about your feelings, and it takes training. Believe me, I'm one of the most emotional people that I know. Believe me, I hate losing, and I am emotional every day. My emotions have always been wired this way. And But guess what? Yes, my emotions have gotten me into trouble, just like yours have. It's like a lot of us do with our emotions. We have to think. We feel it, then we think it, then we act it. Had a huge disappointment this week. Huge disappointment. And I didn't want to act the right way. My feelings wanted me to make me act the right, what, wrong way. But you have to think. And with training, we think. So my son, I was telling him the other day, People do not, or they do, are not born doing the right thing. And as my mama used to tell me, that gratitude is an adult virtue, son. Do not look for it in your players. Do not look for it in other people. Do good work because you want to do good work. Adversity hits. What do we do when adversity hits? Boy, that sign was a great one. The winners and the goal setters seek it. They smile at it. They love adversity. They want to work situations out. I love my job right now because it is hard. I love it. What a challenge. I love it. I love where I am. I love the situation. I love the surroundings. I love seeing what happens to these young people when they are challenged and they are hit with adversity day after day after day. And after a while... They deal with it, they conquer it, they grow from it, they mature through adversity. You do not mature without adversity. Adversity introduces a person to themselves, a great quote by 
Hayek. What was his name? Dang it. Uh, In Search of Self. What was his name? Doggone it. I read that book years ago. But adversity, I remember the quote, adversity introduces a person to themselves. So adversity comes, and I've told you the story very often. I've only got time here for this this story here. And, and again, I don't want to get too far off the topic, but you notice I haven't mentioned big forehands, big backhands. Oh, this guy's got a rocket serve. Oh, this person is, is this famous. What does a coach really look for in a player? They look for the person that has it or doesn't have it, but brings it every day. And they also look for, under adversity, you want the people that are going to shine when adversity comes. Again, I will go back to telling you the story of my youngsters and my wife saying, please motivate them, please motivate them. And there's their first swim meet. And I told my kids, and I tell my kids, when the adversity starts and it gets tough, just remember there's only four kinds of people. You have the wimpies, the whiners, the wieners, and the winners. What happens with when adversity hits? The wimpies, they run away and hide. They have a mysterious injury. That phantom injury comes up. They're, they're, um, they have some way to get out of it. Golly, in college, it's coach. I got this uh, um, uh, teacher. I've got to go meet with the professor. And yeah, but you didn't tell me last week. That's the problem. When you know, or they will try to get out of things. That's the wimpy way. Not that we're. Oh gosh, I want to make sure my disclaimer. I'm not saying anything uh, against going to academic meetings. Of course not. But the wimpies lay out. The wimpies don't really even get to the playing field. Then there's the whiners. What happens? They do the work, but they complain. This isn't fair. I'm not being treated fairly. And no matter how good it feels to complain about that person that that, that just beat you and they cheated, or this happened or that happened, in the end, the whining is just, oh, my golly, is it, is it a, a pollution, a, uh, just the worst thing that could ever, you could ever have around your team. Uh, it just is, a, just, it's an epidemic if you let it go on. Whine, wimpies, whiners, the wieners. Okay, the wieners are the in-betweeners. And I thought about that when I heard my friend this weekend, Andy Johnston, tell me about the uh, type of people that have it but don't bring it. These wieners become tweeners. They're in-betweeners. They fake it. They walk to walk, or they talk to talk, can't walk to walk. They hang out. They breathe air. They occupy space, and they try to have a certain status based on the talent that the good Lord has given them. Ah, it's disgusting to be a wiener, a tweener. We have perpetuated wieners and tweeners in our society by giving participation trophies, by saying this is a great kid, by giving people things they haven't earned, by anything anything that really um, does not make a person really 
challenge themselves and challenge the situation. And then, of course, the winners, what are those? Those are the people that got it and they bring it to. So, look, we're all works in progress. We None of us have this right, nor will ever get it perfect. We, uh, in this age of scrutiny, because we have cell phones and we can video everything and everybody's always assessing how am I, in Facebook, we try to make ourselves look at, you know, that's everybody's a hero on Facebook, I always say. Everybody's a hero. But we got to remember this, that we have three battles, really, to fight. And this was an old Ernest Hemingway thing that, you you know, you have man versus man, man versus inner man, and then man versus nature. You know, uh, man versus man, man versus inner man, man versus nature. But the hardest is the battle versus ourself because we're always battling against our feelings, aren't we? F-T-A, feel, then think, then act. Don't be F-A-T, feel, then act, and think. Wow, we can only do that. Wow, it's harder on some people who have are a little bit more emotional, but we got to learn that. We have to learn that. Secondly, it's man versus nature. You know, stuff happens. Stuff happens. The wind blows, the trees fall. Some people do this, some people, there's so many uncontrollables out there that we can't control. We've got to just decide that, golly, the football coach up at Clemson, uh, Dabo Sweeney, he has this thing that he says, bloom where you are planted. Boy, that is a good one. In other words, I had to tell a player that yesterday. We had nine, eight, eight places on the courts, ninth player. I said, you're out here. You're going to be doing shadow drills and this. The kids started complaining a little bit. I said, you better bloom where you're planted. You're missing a big opportunity if you don't use this opportunity. But it, I said, again, don't act on your emotions here. Look at it. This is an opportunity. you got a great opportunity to get better today. Do it. But the, the fact of the matter is man versus nature is a tough one. Then man versus man, you know, we battle ourselves, we battle nature, we battle the other person. You know, when you battle the other person and stuff, that's tough. When I always say, you know, you're a competitor in the game of tennis, you know, you're in the game of tennis, honor it. It is the most fantastic challenge. It's not set up for your comfort. It's a great, great challenge. Recognize it as that as a great, great challenge and don't look just be honored to be in this game. And guess what? Tennis is brought to you today by this guy on the other side of that, Roger Federer. It's brought to you today by Joe Blow. Or it's brought to you today by... So those battles, I think, and, and all I'm saying here is it's an, we're works in progress. That's a, We're works... We're just working at it and trying to get a little better every day. Inch by inch, it's a cinch, and yard by yard, it's just too darn hard, Mama used to say. Loaded language. Boy, boy, did my mama have loaded language. Yours probably did, too. You know, but the bottom line on the thing, it uh, we are we all just working at this. So, folks, I got to go. It's time for me to go. I want to remind you. Always, you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or loss. Work for mastery. Let's let's give what we have because it's just the right thing to do, and we don't look for the 
the payoff because it ain't coming a lot of times. It, it ain't going to be coming. You know, we're going to do stuff, and you don't get the feedback. You don't get the credit. And, hey, listen, don't do it for that. Just do it because that's who you are, and that's what you do. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Tattooed on his lips, on spent a little more in the store for a tag in the back of his shoe.